Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello again, everyone. Long time no talk. Eric Erlinson here from Lightning Insider. Dot com with the lightninginsider.com podcast and it's been a couple of weeks and it's been a slow couple of weeks since we last discussed anything here on the podcast but I figured I'd check in with everybody see how your off season is going because the lightning's off season is now quiet because the last time we talked about the only thing that uh, Julian Breezebois had on his plate was the pending arbitration case involving Ross Colton and of course as we know Ross Colton and the Tampa Bay Lightning agreed to the terms of a new two-year contract extension to avoid arbitration and keep Colton under contract at a very reasonable and team-friendly if we will uh, contract status two years believe if memory serves me 1.15 million dollar cap hit that was the last real piece of business that Julian Breezeball had on his plate and he took care of it uh, early on in the month and now now we sit around and we wait we wait for training camp we wait for the players to arrive back in town if you've been following anything involving the team and if you listen to this podcast I'm sure you have been that the Stanley Cup is making its way around the team and not just the 2021 team. Of course, as we know, the 2020 team as well because they did not get to have their day with the Cup. So we have seen the likes of Kevin Shattenkirk and Mitchell Stevens and Carter Verhage and the like get their day with the Cup. Steven Stamkos most recently had his when it was declared Stephen Stamkos Day in his hometown of Markham, Ontario. And he got to enjoy that as well. I know a lot of the players were lobbying that they should get two days with the Cup. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be plausible uh, as we kind of move along the summer here because it's just about September. In fact, you might be listening to this and it might be September. And what September means is that training camp is right around the corner and in case you missed the announcement from the team they will hold a prospect camp slash tournament that will also involve the Nashville Predators the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes those four teams will be in town starting September 18th Each team will play three games. It will be a round-robin-style type of a situation. It's not necessarily a tournament per se, but each team will play a total of three games starting with Saturday, September the 18th when the uh, Advent Health Iceplex up in Wesley Chapel will host the teams. Now, Tampa Bay is scheduled to play a game at 1 p.m. on that Saturday, September the 18th. The first game will be at 10 a.m., Tampa Bay will play at 1 p.m., but that uh, location has not been determined. Everything will take place in Wesley Chapel, but we just don't know yet when the game, when Tampa Bay's first game will take place 
on the 18th. We know it's scheduled for 1 p.m. We don't have a location. Uh, Tampa Bay will be back on the ice on Sunday, September the 19th. Also at 1 o'clock, that game will also, well, we know that one will be at the Advent Health Iceplex up in Wesley Chapel. The teams will hold a practice on Monday, and the final round robin of games will take place on Tuesday, September the 21st. Tampa Bay and Florida will finish things off with a 1 o'clock game again at the Advent Health Iceplex in Wesley Chapel. And when you start to see that kind of stuff come out, you know that we're getting close to hockey season. And some of the players who are scheduled to be there for Tampa Bay do include some of their top picks from the past few seasons. Roman Schmid, the defenseman who was their first pick in this year's draft. Gage Goncalves, who was a second-round draft pick in 2020. Jack Finley, who was a um, second-round draft pick in 2020. Both of those players did take part in the abbreviated camp here prior to the 21, uh, well, the 2020-21 season. Uh, Both of them got some time in Syracuse. Syracuse. They will be back in training camp this year, uh, along with the likes of Gabe Fortier and um, you know some of the other team's top picks, including goaltenders Hugo Alnafelt, who the team is very high on. And if you read the hockey news, uh, Hugo has been among the more highly rated goaltender prospects uh, and certainly one of the team's top prospects in the system. He is scheduled to take part in this prospect tournament along with Amir Miftikov, who was a late draft pick uh, in 2020. Uh, he has signed into our contract, so both Alnafelt and Miftikov will be playing in North America this year. We presume that Alnafelt will play in Syracuse while it's expected that Miftikov will get some time playing for the Orlando Solo Bears uh, in the ECHL this year. So both of those players are expected to be in camp. But this is also the precursor to the start of training camp. So we don't have an official date on the start of training camp, but it's not hard to put a couple of pieces together here. The first being that this prospect camp will finish on September the 21st. That's a Tuesday, which means probably Thursday the 23rd is when you can expect that Tampa Bay will open up training camp and officially kick off their title defense, their second consecutive title defense when players are expected to report and then the first day on ice will almost certainly be on September the 24th. So that's kind of looking out there on the horizon on what to expect in Tampa Bay Lightning land uh, in the NHL as well. Uh, So that's what's kind of going on with Tampa Bay right now. Again, pretty quiet since the Colton signing I wouldn't be surprised if there's a a player or two still to come just in terms of maybe adding some depth to the Syracuse Crunch. Maybe some uh, tryout contracts along the way. I'm not sure how uh, Syracuse is being put together at the moment. Um, Again, a guy to keep an eye on is is Gage Goncalves. I mentioned him. Uh, He was an overager when Tampa Bay drafted him in the second round of 2020. So he has the potential of playing in Syracuse. So if that's on their mind, maybe that fills one of those roles that the team will be looking for 
uh, depending on what kind of a training camp he has. Uh, of course, we know the pandemic really disrupted a lot of the junior leagues. Last year, the Western League did get the opportunity to get in some games. So both uh, Goncalves and Jack Finley uh, did get some games for their respective teams. Um, uh, Goncalves plays for Everett while Finley plays for Spokane. Uh, so those players did get some time in, but uh, uh, Goncalves is somebody to kind of keep an eye on when we get to training camp to see kind of what of an impact, if anything, that he might make. All right, some big news around the NHL that raised some eyebrows was the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes issued a um, offer sheet to Montreal's Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And if you remember back a couple years ago when the Montreal Canadiens and general manager Mark Bergevin issued an offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo. And as we've seen in the past, it, offer sheets, they don't happen very often because, first of all, a player has to agree to an offer sheet. Well, you know, there, I'm sure there's plenty of offer sheet opportunities that have been there in the past but it does come up to the player and the agent to actually sign the deal to even start thinking about this so we don't see them very often they're they're kind of like Bigfoot you know we talk about them a lot we understand that there's been evidence of them in the past maybe we are tricked into seeing what we're believing or trying to believe what we're seeing so they don't happen very often but uh, when they do it does tend to bring about some hard feelings, shall we say. And all you got to do is just research Dustin Penner, Anaheim Ducks, Edmonton Oilers, Brian Burke, Kevin Lau, to kind of figure out what that could do to a relationship between teams. Uh, again, they, they do they do happen. Shea Weber, of course, signed an offer sheet with the Philadelphia Flyers years ago uh, before that was matched by Nashville. And that's the other thing. The reason we don't see a lot of them is because even when they are issued, they just usually get matched. It's not very often players change teams via an offer sheet. I mean, it didn't take Carolina very long at all to sign Ajo to that offer sheet, right? But this one's curious. Because there's no doubt this is there's some payback at play. And if you looked at the Carolina Twitter feed in particular, you could see that, what's the saying? They were trolling the Montreal Canadiens with an eye roll. They released a statement in French that they had signed Kakiyemi to an offer sheet. The signing bonus for this contract is $20. You heard that right. $20. Well, why is 20 significant? What does that matter? Why is there a $20 signing bonus included in this contract? Well, what number does Sebastian Ajo wear for the Carolina Hurricanes? Number 20. So yeah, there is definitely some revenge here, some payback, if you will. But all of that aside, 
and it makes for good commentary. It gives us something to discuss and talk about here in what's been a relatively quiet offseason since we got past the draft in the first few days of free agency. And I'm not just talking about the lighting. I'm talking league-wide. So it does give some conversation, some topics to discuss. As my friend Nick Alberga likes to say during quiet times, somebody make a trade. Well, this is more entertaining than a trade. Because we don't see offer sheets very often. There's some bad blood, so to speak, here. And if you are to believe what some have reported, that this is a Tom Dundon, who is the owner of Carolina, driven situation, not necessarily a Don Waddell situation, which is fine. But the interesting part of this is is that Kakanyemi is still a young player. Right? He's just coming out of his entry-level contract. I think he was the youngest player selected in his draft class. And yes, it's a high number. Comes in at just over $6 million on a one-year deal. But he's still 20. He's just 20, 21 years old. He has shown flashes at times of the reason he was the third overall draft pick his draft year. He definitely has some offensive upside. I think we saw at points during this year's run to the Stanley Cup final for Montreal the impact he's capable of having. How he played in the bubble last year in the series where they upset the Pittsburgh Penguins gives you some insight into the type of player he could be. He's not a big guy. He's smaller. He spent some time in the AHL last year. There's obviously some souring, if that's even the case here with Montreal. I mean, he was scratched in the, in the cup final against Tampa Bay. So you wonder how high the organization is still on him. And there were plenty of whispers even at the end of the cup final in early July that because of the scratch that maybe Kotkaniemi had actually played his last game in a Montreal uniform. So you you wonder where this was all going. Trade seems to have been a potential likely route. Carolina is one of the teams that has tried to trade for Kotkaniemi. And, and maybe that's the ultimate thing here. Maybe they really like this player. And who knows? You stick him in the same locker room with a fellow Finn like Sebastian Ajo. Maybe he takes off. Maybe he finds a comfort zone. And maybe that's some of what Carolina is thinking. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. And Montreal has seven days, which means they have until September the 4th to match the offer sheet or decline to match the offer sheet and take offer sheet and take the draft pick compensation which is a first round pick and a third round pick I suppose that's certainly something that Carolina is obviously very comfortable in letting go of so we can talk about all the sideshow all the entertainment all the trolling that Carolina has done 
to Montreal here. But at the end of the day, this still has to be about a hockey move. And Carolina obviously feels that this is a potential good hockey move. And the one thing about this is Carolina has really, really forced Montreal to make a decision here. Not only do they have to decide whether they want to match the offer sheet or let him go ahead and be signed by Carolina. If they match, Montreal is not allowed to trade him for one year. I believe that's the case. Not able to trade a player for one year because of the offer sheet situation. So now Montreal either has to Accept this deal, sign Kotkaniemi to one year at, I think it's, I think the exact number comes out to about $6.1 million. And then go through the same situation again next summer when he'll be a restricted free agent. And then look to try and trade him then. Or, or you have to sign him to a contract. And I, I don't think you ha- I don't think the qualifying offer here has to be above his current threshold or at his current threshold. I think it can actually be a little bit below. But even still, you're talking about somewhere in the $5.8 million range that Montreal would have to look to sign him at or try and trade him. But that's that would be a year down the road. So they've really put Montreal in a pretty precarious situation here, if you will, in, in how they're going to handle this whole uh, offer sheet situation. Again, it's, a, it's, it's entertaining. It's something to keep an eye on. There will be a resolution to this by the end of Labor Day weekend yeah, before we get through Labor Day weekend for sure. But either way... It does give us something to kind of discuss and talk about on what has been an otherwise pretty quiet hockey calendar here during the offseason. One of the other things to kind of keep an eye on here in the coming days is the NHL, the NHLPA, and the IIHF appear set to make a call on NHL players going to the Olympics in February. So that schedule that you see out that has the gap in games in February is for the Olympic break. And it appears that we are going to get NHL players in the Olympics. I don't think that was ever really going to be a case where they didn't go. I know there are some issues rights issues, insurance issues, if a player contracts COVID while in China, any of that stuff. I know that those were some big issues that the league and the PA and the IIHF were trying to work through who was going to pay for the insurance if a player gets sick and they can't play or, you know, whatever the case might be. You know, so look for that announcement here as I'm recording this on a Monday Probably by the end of the week, so leading into Labor Day weekend, we should have an official word on what's going to go on and take place between the NHL and uh, Olympic participation. Again, that would be in February. A couple of sad notes 
around the NHL. First of all, Mr. Ranger, Rod Gilbert, passed away at the age of 80. Hall of, Fa- Hall of Famer, longtime Ranger. We also lost Jimmy Hayes, just the age of 31. Former Panther, former Bruin, former Blackhawk, brother of Philadelphia's Kevin Hayes, found dead at his home at the age of 31, leaves behind a young family, two young children, including an infant. Very sad. And then, of course, a little closer to home was the loss of Tony Esposito, Phil Esposito's brother, the Hall of Fame goaltender. And if people aren't familiar with Tony in his time with the Lightning, him, him and Phil were really the two driving forces behind this franchise. Phil, as he is, the showman, was the mouthpiece. He was the public figure. He was the guy in front of the cameras, in front of the microphones, the notepads, when the franchise was being awarded and in the early days of building the franchise and putting the team together. Tony was right there alongside Phil for almost all of those early years. So yeah, he is known as a Blackhawks legend, Hall of Famer for his time in Chicago. But he did have an impact with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, he lost his battle with cancer um, earlier in August. And um, it, it was a sad few days because, again, I went from Esposito to Gilbert, to Jimmy Hayes. And I can't, I can't leave you here without saying a couple of kind words about Mark Cook. Mark Cook from Pewter Report, if anybody follows the Bucks, um, suddenly died in early August. Been working for Pewter Report for the past 10 years. I had just literally spoken to Mark just a few weeks before his death. He had been let go by Pewter Report. He was asking me and my situation, what I had done independently to try and stay on. I worked with Mark at the Tribune years ago, back when there were still bureaus, and I worked in Brandon, and he worked in Plant City, and you know he came out to the Brandon office quite a bit. So I got to know Mark pretty well during those years. Kind of helped him find his spot with Pewter Report. And he, he turned it into a very, very entertaining situation he had there between his podcast, between his YouTube videos, his writing, all of it. And it was a very sad day when I found out that Mark was gone. So hug your loved ones, folks. Time is precious. Nobody knows what tomorrow brings. Take advantage of today and those who are with you. 
while they're with you. Also want to send a quick shout out to the group at Thunderbolts. They held their picnic over the weekend and they raised $1,200 for the spring. So guys, great job. Well done. Keep up the good work. Stephanie, Thomas, and all the group there that's in control of that. Um, job well done. So we'll, we'll leave this episode here on uh, a little bit more of a, of a better note um, and don't want to leave it on a somber note. Uh, so congratulations, guys, on raising that money for the spring. All right, that's going to wrap things up for me here in this uh, in-between off-season and training camp situation. Uh, we'll talk again a little bit closer to the start of this prospect camp. Again, the first games are scheduled for September the 18th at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Tampa Bay plays at 1 p.m. Location is still TBD. So just be on the lookout for that. So we'll, we'll talk before then, and, and hopefully by the time we next time we, we talk, we have at least a little bit of a, uh, of a true official training camp schedule all right make sure you rate this you subscribe to this you review this you share this let your friends know what's out there it's lightninginsider.com podcast Uh, i'm eric rollinson until the next time